Nedarim Daflamiralaf, the last thing we were discussing was various Mishnayot of a person making a vow, which is not so clear. We ended up saying we have to go by what people usually mean. And when someone says Ro'ehama, people who could see the sun, I mean, he's also swear, he's also vowing from blind people. And when someone says from uh, people who have dark hair, dark heads, he meant adult men. And when he said uh, someone who will be born or was born, again, we go by what people usually mean. And with that, we're starting Lamed Aleph Amud Aleph, straight first line by the Mishnah. If a person vowed he's not going to have any benefit from those who keep Shabbat, he is not allowed to benefit from Israel because they're called Shopte uh, Shabbat, they keep Shabbat, but also the Kutim. The Kutim also have mitzvah to keep Shabbat and they do keep it to some degree, so he's not allowed to benefit from them either. And again, if someone makes a vow, those who eat garlic, he's probably talking about Jewish, people, Jewish men we eat uh, garlic on Leil Shabbat so they get, because it makes more zera, and this is something that's taken already from Ezra time. Therefore, he's a surbe Israel. He's not, gonna, he's not allowed to have any benefit from Israel. He's not allowed to have any benefit from Kutim either. And Me'olei Yerushalayim, if a person vowed he's not going to have any benefit from those who go up to Yerushalayim, Here, he is not allowed to have benefit from Israel, but he is allowed to have benefit from Kutim, because they don't go up three times a year to uh, Yerushalayim, they go three times a year to Hargerizim. So therefore, they're not considered part of that vow. And the Gemara asks, My Shabbat, what does that mean, those who keep Shabbat? If it means those who keep Shabbat, then my Iriyah Bekutim, the one makes you say just Kutim, or also Asura. Even of the Kochavim Nami, they should also be Asur. Meaning, if an Oved Kochavim keeps Shabbat, he should also be considered part of the vow. Ela, we're talking about when he said Shabbat Shabbat, Mimetsuvim ala Shabbat, those who are commanded to keep Shabbat. So the says, Yahachi, I'm a Sefa, if that's the case, look at the Sefa. It says, Me'olei Rushalayim, Asur B'Yisrael, Mutar V'Kutim. Someone who vows, he's not going to benefit from those who go up to Yerushalayim. He's Asur Yisrael, but he's allowed to the Kutim, they go to Hargerizim. Amai, why is that? Ve'ha Mitsuvim Ninu. But the Kutim also have a mitzvah to go up to Yerushalayim. They just don't. They just they go to Hargerizim. So Amar Abaye, Metzuvev Ve'oseh Katani. No, Abaye we're talking about those who are commanded and they do it that way. And we have to understand the Mishnah as follows. Betarteba Bekamaita, the first two parts of the Mishnah, which says Mishokte Shabbat and Meochle Shum, Yisrael Ve'kutim Metzuvim Ve'osim. Israel and Kutim, they are commanded to do so, to keep Shabbat and eat garlic on Shabbat, and they do it. That's why they're part of the vow. When Ovet Kochavim keeps Shabbat, he's doing it, but he's not commanded. However, Israel are commanded and they do. They're supposed to be Jewish. They're supposed to be following our rules, but they don't follow all the way. They have their own system. They're commanded and they don't do it. That's why they're not considered part of the vow. Next Mishnah. If a person vows, he's not going to have any benefit from B'nai Noach. Mutar Israel. He's allowed to have benefit from Jews because they're they're on a different level. They're called B'nai Abraham. He's asur to have benefit from Goyim because they're considered B'nai Noach. And the Gemara says, How could Israel already be excluded from Ben Enoch? 
meaning we were also we also come from Noah. So the Gemara explains, Kevadi Kadash Abraham, once Abraham became Kadosh, it Keru Hashemeh. The Jewish people were called on his name. So when you say Ben Avram, you mean Jews. When you say Ben Enoch, you mean Goyim. Next Mishnah. If a person says, Sheni Abraham, if a person says, I'm not going to have any benefit from the children of Abraham, He's not allowed to have any benefit from Jews, but he's allowed to have a benefit from Goyim. Even though there's Ishmael, comes from Abraham also, but that's not what he meant. So the Gemara says, Ishmael, but don't we have Ishmael? He's also part of Abraham. My answer is no. The Pasuk says that your Zerah will be called after Yitzhak. Okay, but what about Isav? Again, it says, Be Yitzhak, the law called Yitzhak. Only some of Yitzhak, which is Yaakov, and not the entire Yitzhak, which would also include Isav. Next, Mishnah. If a person says, I'm not going to have any benefit from Israel, when he's buying and selling, he has to buy something from, for more than it's worth, so he could lose on it, so he's not going to have any benefit. And he's going to sell things for less than it's worth, so he'll take a loss on it, so he won't have a benefit. The idea is, when someone buys something for its worth, or he sells something for its worth, there's a certain benefit that he has, but when he when he's taking it or or selling it at a loss, then he, there's no benefit. And same thing opposite. Israel if someone vows that no Jew will have benefit from him, then then when he buys from someone, from another Jew, he has to buy it for less than it's worth. And he has to sell it for more than it's worth. So this way the buyer or the seller won't have benefit. But we'll, what will happen eventually is that no one's going to listen to him, meaning no one's going to want to buy and sell with him. If someone says, I'm not going to have any benefit from Jews, and Jews are not going to have any benefit from me, then he could do business with the Goyim. So the Gemara starts. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel said, The person took something from the store, he's taking a look at it, and all of a sudden something out of his control happened. Let's say he's looking at a vase in the store, and vase slipped out of his hand and broke. Hayav, he has to pay for it. Because a buyer who's looking at, uh, at, let's say, the vase in the store, he's like a borrower who's Hayav, even if there's an honest Almas, what do you understand from here? That kasavar anat that Shmuel holds that when buying and selling, it's the benefit of the person buying, because if the seller has a hana, if he has benefit, and when the guy took it and broke it, he's not totally a shoyel. The the person is happy when he takes it, and he should not be hayav in onasim. Things are out of control. Now the problem with that is tenan. We learned in our Mishnah, If a person vows he's not going to have any benefit from Jews, he's allowed to sell to them for less than the actual price. But for equal price, he's not allowed to sell it. Now, now if you want to say like Shmuel, where it's the buyer's benefit, then then he should allowed, he should be allowed to sell to him for even the same amount. Meaning, as long as he's not making a profit, he should be okay. So, like my explains, Our Mishnah is talking about an item that is in the store and nobody's taking it and he just wants to get rid of it. So, our Mishnah is talking about something that it's not a special find. You could find this all the time. 
it's stuck over here in the store for months and months at a time. So then there's not such a great benefit to the lokeah. On the other hand, what Shmuel was talking about, something that people really want, and there's a lot of people to buy it, and the person took it and broke it. So therefore, the benefit is really on the buyer. There's no real hana'ah to the seller because if this guy doesn't buy it, someone else would have bought it. And that's why this buyer is like a shoel, he's like a borrower, and he's hayav. But the Gemara asks, in Ken, if our Mishnah is talking about an item that not too many people want to buy, and look at the first part of the Mishnah, if a person said, I'm not going to have any benefit from Israel, he could buy things for more than it's worth, but not for the same amount. Now, if we're talking about an item that there's no benefit for the buyer to get, then why should it be a sort to buy at the same equal price? Ve'od, and we have another problem. Emasefa, look at the end of our Mishnah. If a person vows, Sheyisrael Nenin Li, that he's not, that Yisrael are not going to have any benefit from him, Lokeh Be'pachot Mocher Be'yoter, he's allowed to buy things for less and sell for more. Ve'ib is binader ame alapen, if we're talking about an item that no one cares about, no one's going to buy, why does he have to sell it for more? The buyer doesn't really have a hana from this uh, buying. It should be mutar to, to sell afil b'shave, b'shave, even equal. So the Gemara tries answering that sefa bezvina harifa. Now the sefa, uh, the last part of the Mishnah is talking about something that people are excited to buy. There's a lot of uh, buyers, and that's why you're not allowed to sell for equal price, only for less. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, then why does it say that he has to buy it for less? Meaning if the seller is not going to have any benefit, then you should be able to buy it even equal. So the Gemara tries a different avenue. We're talking about something somewhere in the middle. People are not totally excited, but people are not, uh, are not uh, just skipping over it. And since there's like some sort of benefit to both sides, therefore you can't sell them for an equal price. With the Shmuel and what Shmuel was talking about, that's Bizbina Harifa. That's talking about something that people are really jumping jumping to, to go buy. And when he sells it, there's only a benefit to the buyer. And that's why when the buyer takes a look at it and then drops it, he's considered a Shmuel, a borrower, and he's Hayav if it breaks. Now, the Gemara is going to bring a proof to Shmuel that when someone takes a look at, let's say, a vase in the store and he breaks it, he's considered a borrower and he's hayav. If a person buys things from a merchant, to send it to his father-in-law's house, he wants to give his future kala gifts. And the, the buyer, the future hatan, said to the merchant, look, if they like it, then I'll give you the money for it. And if they don't like it, I'll give you whatever benefit I received, meaning I want, I, it's going to look good for me. I wanted to give a gift to my future kala, but they didn't like it, but at least he tried, they thought that count sort of thing. So whatever hana'a, I would have gotten, I will pay you for that. Now, in the meantime, if on the way to his father-in-law's house, they broke, Hayavi has to pay. Bahazar on the way back, Patur. He doesn't have to pay anymore. Why? Because at that point, he would be like a renter. He would be like someone paying for it. Now, on the way there, when he's considered a buyer, 
he's considered also a borrower. And therefore, anything happens, he'd be hayav. On the way back, he's not a buyer anymore, so he's not a borrower anymore. At that point, he's a renter, and that's why he'd patur. And the Gemara brings a story. There was a middleman. This person, let's say, takes an animal from the owner. He sells it somewhere else, and uh, he, he comes back, gives the owner the money, and he takes uh, a cut from the whole deal. So, there was this middleman, the Shakal Hamra Lezabune. He took a donkey to sell, and nobody bought it. On the way back, something happened out of control to the donkey, and he got hurt, and it died. Rav Nahman forced him to pay for it. He felt he was a borrower, and he's Hayav when, when something out of control happens. So now, Rav Nahman. Rabbah brought a bright against Rav Nahman. Wait a second. We we learned about the case where the person uh, bought things and he sent it to his future father-in-law's house. If anything happened to it on the way there, Hayav, Bahazar, on the way back, Patur. And over here also, this guy on the way back is Patur. So Rav Nahman told Rabbah, Look, when this person is coming back, it's as if he's going. Because because if he would have found the buyer, even on the doorstep of the owner, he wouldn't sell. Of course he would sell. Therefore, until he gives back the donkey, he's considered a borrower and he would be hayav if any onus happens. And you can't compare that to the case with the, with the future father. No, because once they said no at that point, Okay, he becomes a renter, and the halacha changes. Next, Mishnah. If a person said, If a person says, I vow I'm not going to have any hana'a from aredim, which is like goyim, mutar ba'arele Israel. He's allowed to have benefit from arel, who said Israel never had a brit milah. And he's not allowed to have any benefit from goyim who circumcise themselves. If a person said that he vows that he's not going to have any benefit from those who had brit milas, meaning even Jews, then asur Israel, and he's even asur of Israel who didn't get a brit milah, and he's allowed to have hanaa from a guy who circumcised themselves. Because the concept of uh, Orla is only called, it's, it's a nickname we give to Avod, uh, of the Avodah Zara for the Goyim. Because the Pasuk says all the Goyim are considered Arelim, uncircumcised, and all the Jews are considered circumcised of the heart. Meaning, even if the Goyim had a Brit Milah, they're still called Arelim. There's another Pasuk. They call this Pelishti an Arel. Now, how is how's David Melech supposed to know that Goliath was an Arel? Rather, just what that's what the nickname is for Goyim. And here's another Pasuk. We don't want uh, girls of the Pelishtim, the girls of the Arelim, to be happy. And how are you supposed to know who, who had a Brit Milah, who didn't? Ella, the, just that's the nickname for Goyim. Now, Rabbi Lazar bin Azar Yaomer, Meusa hi ha'orla. The orla is disgusting. Shinit ganu barashaim, because we disgrace her shaim with the word orla. Shinemar, kihola goyim arelim. We call all the goyim arelim. 
רבי ישמעאל אומר גדולה מילה מילה so great שנכרתו עליה שלוש עשרה בריתות because there's 13 covenants that were set between Abraham and Hashem in that parashat says the word brit 13 times and if anyone gets a chance to look at uh, the Rambam in Chot Mila he brings all 13 down רבי יוסי אומר גדולה מילה מילה so great שדוחת השבת חמורה it pushes away the Shabbat which is so strict which is so great so you're allowed to do brit milan Shabbat it shows you how great it is רבי יהושע בן קורחה אומר גדולה מילה וברית מילה so great שלא נתלה לא למשה הצדיק עליה מלוא שעה You see, even the great Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to save Bnei Israel. The Shamaim didn't even wait. He was almost killed if one of his children didn't get a Brit Milah. And Rabbi Nehamia Omer, Gedola Milah Shedoha et HaNegaim. Brit Milah is so great that it even pushes away Negaim. If there's a Tzarat uh, or anything like that on the Brit Milah area, then you could just cut it off during the Brit. There's no questions. Usually it's a sur to cut it. Rabbi Omer, Gedola Milah, Rabbi says, the Brit Milah is so great, Shekol Mitzvot Sha'asa Abraham Abinu Lo Nikra Shalem Ad Shemal. Because all the great things that Abraham Avinu did, he wasn't considered full, complete, until he did a Brit Milah. Go in front of me and become complete. Here's another thing. If it wasn't for Brit Milah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't create his world. Hashem said, if it wasn't for my Brit day and night, I would not put the heavens and the earth. And the Gemara starts. Tanya Rabbi Yoshua ben Korha Omer, גדולה מילה מילה סוגרת שכל זכויות שעשה משה רבנו לא עמדו לו כשנתרשם מן המילה. All the great things that משה רבנו did, they, they, they couldn't stand for him if, because he was lazy in ברית מילה שנאמר ויפגשהו השם ויבקש שם איתו. השם מרמן וואנט לקלם. סאמר בי חס ושלום שמשה רבנו נתרשם מן המילה. חס ושלום that משה רבנו became lazy from the מצווה. אלא כך אמר, this is what משה was trying to say. If I do bring me love for this child and then I go out, it's dangerous to have him go out. Three days later, we're going to be traveling and it's going to be dangerous. That's the time where it hurts the most. So I, I shouldn't do it so early. However, so I'll do bring me love for my child and I'll wait three days. But Hashem already commanded me to go. So you know what to do. So what's the reason? So Moshe had a good point. So why did he get punished? So the reason is, It's because he occupied himself with the resting place first. On the way, they reached a resting place, a motel of some sort. And we understood that that's what he was dealing with now. It was so close to Egypt, he should have just done a brit milah over there. If it's only short traveling, then you don't have to worry about uh, the three-day in pain thing. So that's why Moshe was almost punished. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem le'olam. Amen ve'amen.